Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bell's here to cover thing, everything Wisconsin athletics, and we're going to first start with a little change in schedule. Before the, the last 72-hour saga started for Wisconsin basketball, we were planning on doing a senior bowl recap and offensive line with Owen, uh, who used to host the podcast, but in light of all the news and all the drama and all the saga that has gone on, for these last couple of days, we decided to pivot because we're guessing a lot of you are listening in for uh, the Wisconsin basketball talk uh, with the Kobe King stuff, the Brad Davidson stuff, the tweets, the Tyler Harrow stuff. There's there's everything that you could want if, in a juicy story, not so much for your Wisconsin basketball program, but it is. So we'll uh, we'll do that at the beginning of the show. We'll preview the Michigan State game on Saturday, and then at the end of the show, we're going to do a different position preview, and we're going to park so still a little football, but much more basketball to dive into than than more than Matt and I expected. So, Matt, how are we doing today? I'm doing good. It has been a, a wild 72 hours, like you said, just in terms of keeping track of all the moving pieces and everything and kind of the drama that has ensued recently within the UW uh, basketball program. But uh, I'm doing great, ready to talk a little basketball. How are you doing? Good. Yeah, it's been it's been pretty crazy. You know, I I was really it confused as to where the story was going to go. And I think it took even more of a turn than than anybody else expected. Obviously, there was writing on the wall that maybe Kobe King was going to depart from Wisconsin. But there was so much more that seemed to come out of it from tweets, from parents, recruits tweeting out stuff, everything that Wisconsin basketball usually isn't into. You know, a lot of these programs have these type of things happen. Wisconsin for the relative amount of time is is usually pretty quiet in terms of this type of stuff so just a lot unfolding these last few days and that's outside of you know a, a Brad Davison suspension which we're going to talk about a little bit too so just a lot going on and not a lot of it uh, that's positive which which is unfortunate but let's start you know I guess at the beginning of everything you know it Kobe King didn't travel to Iowa City uh, to participate in the game there were rumors that it was a personal matter uh, but obviously there were other reports that, that kind of hinted at something other than that. And the the, the personal matters were, were maybe more of a story. And, and, and that seems to kind of be the case. We, we talked about it a little bit last episode that there were rumblings and things like that. But ultimately, uh, the last few days, and it sounds like this has kind of been known for a little bit among the roster that, that Kobe King was going to depart and eventually transfer to a new school. But what did you make of, of just how all this stuff kind of played out with Kobe King? Yeah, I mean it's pretty wild at this point. You don't, you I going into the season, I wouldn't have projected that out whatsoever. Um, you know, I know it's obvious that he's been dissatisfied with some of the stuff that's been going on, um, but I know the team, his teammates were very surprised when he wasn't there for the Iowa game and kind of when this all unfolded. So he's he's a he's a talented player. Um, I think it's going to be tough on the current Wisconsin roster just because of the lack of scholarship depth that depth that they have um but it's it's in the end it's up to him it's his it's whatever he sees in his peer review as his uh best option I think it's fairly uh silly in a lot of ways just because 
he's going to have to sit out a year and and basically miss his entire junior season and then go on and play one year of basketball. So a team's going to have to burn two years of scholarship basically to get one year of tread out of him. Um, but at the same time, if, if he was that unhappy uh, or if there's more to be told, I'm guessing there is, there usually is uh, in situations like this, you know, best of luck to him. And the Wisconsin basketball team is just going to have to move on. And that's something that they've done a really good job on this year in a lot of ways, because it hasn't been an easy year for them. No, it definitely has not. Obviously there's been a lot of ups and downs. You just on the court alone with, with win streaks and losing streaks and less than ideal play in some stretches, but to have off the court stuff is usually not something you see from a Wisconsin basketball roster. And obviously, like you mentioned, uh, Kobe King, you, you want him to be comfortable in wherever he's at. And if he was uncomfortable with, with his situation and things like that, then, then more power to him to, to take that next step and, and go to a place where he feels he, he fits both personally and, and, you know, on the court basketball abilities wise. But it, like you said, it's, it's kind of a surprising move in terms of timing uh, to, to essentially burn a season of your eligibility like this. And like you mentioned with the two scholarships thing, it's it's going to be confusing and it's going to be kind of hard to figure out how his how his future plays out just given the fact that a team obviously he's a talented enough player that a team is going to take him and and want him on their team just like Wisconsin did but I'd I'd be interesting to see what what his future holds in terms of where he goes and, and how that all plays out yeah I mean like we said I mean he had a, a nice niche in this Wisconsin roster as as a as a wing player, you know, he played kind of a, a hybrid small forward position for Wisconsin and he got a lot of minutes, got a lot of touches. He it wasn't as if that he didn't have opportunities and um, he's going to go to a different school and, you know, hopefully he can maximize his opportunities there. I I don't see it being a situation where he's going to really get anything crazy different in terms of what he can get in terms of minutes and, and shot attempts and or anything like that. So by that means it's puzzling, but um, you know, more power to him, go, go find your niche somewhere else because I don't see him um, as a guy, a uh, high level player who's going to make it to the NBA or anything like that. I just don't think he has the skill set for, for that kind of a leap or the size. So Within that, it's it's a it's a really puzzling move. So um, best of luck to him. I know he's probably thinking that he's uh, you know an NBA caliber player possibly, but I, I don't see it. I haven't seen it all um, of his time uh, at UW. But he was always a very nice and upfront guy, and uh, I appreciated that. So um, that's about all I got for him in terms of you know how why he might be coming to this decision. Yeah, it's it's definitely confusing, and like you alluded to in the first, you know, in your first segment, first part there, there, there probably is more going on behind the scenes that I, I'm guessing you and I and anyone around Wisconsin basketball won't won't ever get the full story, and and that's part of an athletic department kind of keeping things internal and, and working out issues their own way. But it, it's really something that everyone's going to kind of have a keen eye to because he was such a a, a talented player and it contributed a lot to this team alone. So. If if there's more going on, obviously you want a kid to go and, and find his comfort zone, but it is it's certainly puzzling in that, and, and it, of course, has a ripple effect on the rest of the program. You know, we, we've talked about it in articles already, and thankfully there was some news on the Davis brothers, who were also from Class Central, 
uh, a friend of Kobe King that there were there were worries that in recruitment that that this might affect those guys. But it sounds like from everything that I've seen, you know, on Twitter from from their father that that basically said they are all in for Wisconsin. So that is at least right now essentially a welcome sign for sure. Yeah, and it's and it's not just the Davis brothers who have kind of you know rallied together. Um, the team has in a lot of ways, but then in addition, all of their recruits have come out and publicly said that you know they're supporting guard, they're not wavering, they're not going anywhere. So that is that's good to hear. It gives um, while there's kind of been a tumultuous week, it kind of does shed some light that hey, the relationships that these coaches have with these players are bigger than. Um, one player being dissatisfied, you know, it's, it goes much deeper than that. In the end, these guys are playing for the, the name on the front of the Jersey and, and that matters uh, for these guys. Um, and it's sewn on to those jerseys. So that's big. And just, I, I keep thinking, thinking back that, um, I think this team is going to be okay. Uh, in the, in the long run, I think they're going to be fine. I think the Michigan state game is going to be hella harder now without both him and Davison, but, in the end, they're going to be all right. Their schedule down the stretch is okay, and they have they have players. Their depth isn't great, but it gives them expanded opportunities for other guys. Um, and Wisconsin has persevered all season long. You know, you had the Howard Moore's family tragedy at the beginning of this year has really kind of shook this team to its core, as I would expect it to. Um, and then you also have the Micah Potter waiver denial um, saga that just unfolded earlier in the year. So they've been through a lot of punches and, they, and they've gone right back out there, thrown the mouth guard in and been ready to rock. So I don't expect it to um, shake this team's foundation into any crazy belief. But at the same time, it, it's it's been a tough year for this team and it's something different than what we've seen these past you know 20 years, really. Yeah, and it's interesting to know, like you mentioned the Micah Potter and obviously the Howard Moore stuff. Those two things are, are were really hard to go through, and they seem like so long ago just given given the struggles on the court and, of course, with this off the court. But hopefully this team can bounce back and, and get right, and, and hopefully you mentioned already that Michigan State game without those two is, is going to be tough in general just because Michigan State is a talented team already, and you're losing essentially two of your top players and scorers, but... I think this team, like you said, has a little bit of fight in them. Their their schedule sets up okay. There's some tough games, but they're, a lot of them are winnable games, which if you look at the, the, the current projections still have the Badgers in the, the field of 68, which is, which is good because I think a lot of Wisconsin Twitter doesn't see it that way. But there's a lot of teams in, in similar positions, especially in this conference, that, that are struggling or, or not, not in the best spot in terms of record. So... In a in a crazy wide open field and season like this, the, the Badgers are still in an okay spot, I think. Yeah, I think they'll be just fine. They've got the whole season ahead of them. It's just going to be a matter of taking care of the games that they can. And I think while the this has obviously you know a bad optics to it, it doesn't look great. You're not you're not obviously feeling great about it. This team still has some positives to glean from it. You're going to see Tyler Wall get a lot more. Uh, action out there which you know his best basketball is ahead of him he's going to be playing uh, on this team the next four or next three seasons after this and he's a guy who you can build around a little bit and really um, see what he can do next year when he's got added a little weight add a little bit more to his game after he's been kind of um, feeding the fire so to speak which guy do you think you know on this current roster really needs to and you I think you wrote an article about it so that's why I wanted to ask you which guy do you feel you know is is really poised to 
take a step forward in the rotation or or needs to make a step up to to help keep this team on a winning level? Yeah, I mean, Pritzel's going to have to be is likely going to be the starting shooting guard. I think he's going to have to be more aggressive in hunting his shot, trying to be more aggressive and making things happen on the offensive end. Sometimes he can just kind of settle for for being a part of it and and when open hit it but then he's got to be um more ready and more ready to kind of just be aggressive within that the offense um i think tyler wall is another guy he's got to be able to do more on offense he's averaging about 17 minutes a game i would expect that to get closer to the 30 area just because he in addition to his role as at the three now in place of kobe king he's also going to still be a guy who's going to spell a lean forward um at times so it he he's because of his position versatility, he's a guy that I think is going to play a lot and he's going to need to play a lot. Um, and then you've got Micah Potter. I think he's going to play more um, when Aleem Ford needs a break too. I think both him and Reavers are going to have to um, do more offensively. I, they've done a really good job, but I think they're going to, the Badgers going to have to hit the post a lot more, get a lot of post touches, really try to get into um, the, uh, into the, towards the rim and, and score because that's their best two scoring threats right now um, on this offense. And, you know, I feel bad for Dimitri Trice because I, I just don't think he's going to be able to really come off the court against Michigan State, given they don't have anybody else who can really guard Cassius Winston outside of him. Because I don't – Trevor Anderson is a great player um, as a bench role, but he's not the guy you want guarding Cassius Winston. No, definitely not. And he's he's a heart glue guy, but to, to put him on Cassius Winston would be a, a troublesome matchup for him. And Trice, I think he played what, twenty five, twenty six minutes in that first matchup. He's gonna be he's gonna be right up there and, and be uh huffing wind, looking for looking for a breather whenever he can, because it's gonna be it's gonna take a, a full effort from a lot of those guys to keep that game competitive. But in that breeds, you know, opportunity. You talked about, you know, a lot of different guys that can step in there. Wall, you're probably going to get need more, like you said, on the offensive side. That was for me. He's been a he's been a really solid defender, solid rebounder, solid system guy. But to, it'd be nice to see him score the basketball a little more. So, in this obviously disappointing news with with a, a player that all, everyone in the program liked, who was very talented, it, it gives some other guys more minutes and gives them a shot. And at this point in the season, it's that's all you can really do is hope for for guys to step up and and collectively make an effort and if they don't make the NCAA tournament I still think they will at this point but it's still going to get minutes and build them for next season what did you make of the Tyler Hero Zach Showalter comments yeah I mean if you are looking for quotables uh, Zach Schulter is never really afraid to to throw that around. Uh, he he's a guy who's very outspoken and supportive of Wisconsin basketball, and and he's a player that was beloved by by fans. And you know I think both have um, points that they were trying to make, and I think in a lot of ways they were saying some of the same stuff um, because uh, both Tyler Hero and Zach Schulter wanted very different things in their recruitments and. And different players have to make those decisions in their recruitments. A lot of people really rag on the on the program for not being able to bring in the top talent from the state. But really, that's not how basketball works. It's not necessarily that same way. There is in a given class, usually you're not bringing in any more than five players. And those five and each team is trying to bring in, you know, a small amount of class and Tyler Hero in the end made it the best decision for him. And I think that's what 
Kobe King is thinking that he's doing too as well. So, um, but I think, I think it was just, it was funny to see those two kind of, you know, throw shots at one another. Um, you know, I, you even look back to when Tower Hero um, was decommitting, you know, Zach Schulter was all over him then. So I, I'd, I try not to get involved with that that too much, I guess I should say. But in the end, you know, Tower Hero and Zach Showalter are both right in this situation. They're, they just are kind of looking at it as a little different way. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with you there. I mean, Tyler Hero, you know, he mentioned the system doesn't doesn't maybe work for some guys, and that's true in a sense. I he he probably put himself in his best position to succeed, and obviously he's on a top team in the Eastern Conference with the Miami Heat. So clearly he's doing uh, he, whatever he his decision made, that he made worked out for him. He was you know a first round pick and is playing really well at the next level. So you can't fault a kid like that. Uh, but to say, I think for, for and for a lot of people to say the system doesn't work uh, is is somewhat silly because this this system that uh, Greg Gard is running is a lot of the same stuff that that Bo Ryan is running, and there was a lot of success with Bo Ryan. So there's there's ebbs and flows of a program. There's really good years. There's Final Four back to back Final Four years, and then there's years where you're battling to get into the NCAA tournament. I know these last few years have been less than ideal in terms of what we're used to seeing from Wisconsin basketball, but in a lot of ways, it's it's a blimp in a a very long you know line of success that that largely ran on this same system. Yeah, for sure. And you know, my soapbox for this is people can be upset with the system and be say that it, that's what's wrong, but. In reality, like you said, they've had extreme success to the highest level with this system. And the the bottom line is, until they get better talent, it is what it is. That's what there's only five guys on a court at a given time, and those five players are. It is so um, dependent on the skill level and the talents of the players. You look at Wisconsin; they're not missing um, right now uh, having having um tower hero what they are missing though is having somebody that can slash somebody can go to the rim and score when they need to wisconsin doesn't have that they have a bunch of guys who are mid-range jump shooters they have guys who can hit from three they they have guys who are set shooters they don't have a slasher they don't have a guy that you can put the ball in his hand and say go get a damn basket and they don't have it and kobe king can say everything he wants but he was very limited in that regard too he he was a guy who could hit mid-range jumpers. He could he was a guy who could back somebody down. But if you needed somebody to blow by a guy, do a do a euro step and and get through the contact for a layup, it wasn't him. It wasn't a lot of these guys on this team because they're jump shooters. So Wisconsin needs some some slashers. They have some guys coming in. Lauren Bowman and uh, Johnny Davis are both slashers, guys that can hit um, on that and and get to the rim. Wisconsin misses that and they've had that you people have hated on Ethan Happ at times but when you pass the ball inside he could make something happen or he could take a guy off the bounce and and do that Wisconsin's been in scoring droughts and if jump shots aren't falling this team's screwed and that's really the crux of the issue this season it's it's a talent level and it's and it's um ability to to they don't have enough guys that fit within the sphere together perfectly, and and that's what's hurt, hurting them. They don't have the slasher to go with, hey, we've got a bunch of jump shooters. 
they need a slasher to help them out. And Kobe King or anybody else right now isn't that player. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you look at those final four teams. Sam Decker could take you off, take you off a dribble, attack, you know, and, and kick it out to you know guys like Ben Brust and, and Josh Gosser and, and even Frank Kaminsky could could take you off the dribble. Bronson Koenig could take you off the dribble. And and like you said, Wisconsin doesn't have that, and that ripple affects the the entire system. It's obviously frustrating right now, and and losing three or four games in the midst of this obviously makes it feel a lot worse. But in the end of the day, this this system has had success and it's just looking for a few pieces that Greg Gard is is building and recruiting. And maybe this is just a claim for, you know, the the other side of the argument with Greg Gard, but they they've got guys that are are projected to fill that void. And if it doesn't work then, then maybe you need to to look at something like that. But for right now, this this is what it's gonna be uh, for the foreseeable future and of of course the rest of this season. Because if you look at it, like right now, you see the big reason they need to have an offense that's predicated on passing, ball movement, and doing that is getting guys in positions where they can have success. These guys aren't aren't going to be taking a dude off the dribble and showing and um, making their own their own plays happen. And and that's when you see um, Wisconsin having extreme success is when they're able to do that, when they have the talented players to do that. And you know, all these youngsters who are who are committed and have recommitted in a sense to the program these past few days are are a, an incoming trend of athletes that should help them you know you even look at Matthew Moore's he had a had an absolute posterizer just uh, last week where he he elevated over a dude and threw it right down at him so it's like they've got guys coming in that can do that it's just going to be a waiting game and it and you have those guys coming into a system where you have guys who are not slashers aren't able to do that it'll kind of blend nicely if if wisconsin can get it going because there's going to be minutes uh to be had by some of those youngsters oh for sure i mean these guys that are coming in next year are going to be right in the thick of it uh for playing time which is exciting to see when you're building a program back to what it used to be you know four or five years ago it does it, it seems like a while longer than that but it was just four or five years ago that this team was the excitement of the state and and going to to back to back Final Fours and being minutes away and uh, Coach K, you know, <laughs> referee uh, push away from from winning a national championship. So I know things at times are tough right now, but it's it's hopefully going to get better and and it's better to be optimistic. I know it's hard to be, but there's there's still a lot of basketball left in, in this season and in the future. Kind of lost in all this, you know, the Kobe King stuff, the tweets, everything that's going on in that was the Brad Davis's suspension. And obviously it couldn't come at a worse time with the Kobe King departure. But what are you, what do you make of it? Cause we already talked about it a little bit last episode, but what did you make of the decision to uh, not his decision, but the decision by the big 10 to, to hand down that suspension for Saturday's game? Yeah. And I mean, I know Greg guard kind of went to saying, Hey, this is kind of a dangerous uh, way to be going about things. Um, you know, you look at some of the suspensions that the big 10 has been given out there. They're, more um, readily available. They're handing them out like candy, it seems like, when they see that, hey, something's going wrong. Um, in the end, I don't have a problem with the Big Ten suspending Brad Davison. I think what Brad Davison um, put himself in a position to hurt the team, and that was a, a silly maneuver by him, to be perfectly honest. So um, while I wish Brad Davison was playing, it's it's I get it. I get the optics of what he did and how that looked. Um, when you slow slow mo and and what you see, it it doesn't look great for him. And 
Um, but it's it's definitely something that's going to hurt this team. It's going to stretch this roster very thin. You're going to see probably Walt McGrory and and Trevor Anderson getting um, more minutes. You'll see a guy like like I said, I I think um, Dimitri Trice is going to need oxygen after that game because I don't see a way you can take him off the court um, for an extended period of time. And you got to hope he can't doesn't get in foul trouble because that that spells doom in a lot of ways. So. Wisconsin's going to have to really rally together and play really well this weekend for that game. Um, but Brad Davison needs to use this as a, as a teachable moment to make sure that he doesn't put himself and his team in this type of situation again. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's, it's not the first time this has happened. And I know it's not really fair to, to punish a kid for previous mistakes after that's already been come and gone. But at the same time, you're, you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt in these situations. And I think that's the biggest part is that, you know, people that are upset with the suspension, this isn't the first time that there's been questionable incidences with Brad Davison. So he's among the Big Ten constituents. He's not going to have uh, that benefit of saying it. things weren't on purpose or malicious. And Greg Gard said that they weren't. And, and you can believe that and, and listen into that. But at the same time, this this has been a reoccurring thing. So maybe it's it's possible for him to take a step back, clear his head. And unfortunately, that's in a in a pretty gig big game at the Cole Center, but at the same time, it hurt the team. It put them in a less than favorable light in, in terms of optics and, of course, on the court. So I, I think at the end of the day, this is probably the right decision by the Big Ten, and it's unfortunate, but hopefully Brad Davison will, will learn from this. Yeah, for sure. Did you see what uh, what Andy Cat said? I did. I did. I caught a little bit of it. It was. I was, I, I was like, whoa. I was like... He did, he did not help hold back on that in, in a lot of ways. And I think like we had talked about earlier, the timing is what really makes this not only puzzling, but it also makes it kind of hard because his teammates are now having to go through the last 10 games of this season um, without one of their best players. So for I, uh, Andy Katz was obviously a UW grad. So for what he, him to go out there and say that was, was pretty powerful, I think. Yeah, and I hear what he was saying. Obviously, the optics of it are are – questioning and, and not questionable but something that you have to look at and, and say well, well why is the timing happening right now and again there maybe there's more stuff behind the scenes but he certainly he certainly let it go he did not hold back uh, any part of that situation and uh, you know Andy Katz has, has obviously a big platform and, and was very much passionate about what he was saying so and, and he made some points and maybe if Hans didn't agree with all of it I understand that but at the same time it was something that I'm sure a lot of people were thinking, and, and he had the platform to let it out. Yeah, uh, he definitely used his platform. And, um, you know, I, I think one big thing is that fans right now are just completely lighting their hair on fire and just running around with gasoline and seeing what happens because it's 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 human nature to kind of uh, let things out right away. And, you know, you have the Internet, so people are really letting things out because they can hide behind a screen name. But I think it's also important to to question kind of what's going on um, within the program and question what's going on with Kobe King and question why Brad Davison would do those things. But in the end, they're they're just kids. They're trying to figure out what, uh, you know, trying to win basketball games and trying to do what's best for them and what they see um, for their future. So that's that's important um, for people for people to kind of ground back and, you know, even for us to ground back and to remember that, you know, um, I thought Andy Katz had a lot of really nice things or really like nice things to say about the issue and kind of highlighting some stuff. But it's also like this is still a, you know, a red shirt 
sophomore who's who's trying who's coming off a knee injury and trying to figure out his life and, and what he really wants. Exactly, exactly. I think you hit the nail on the head there. Let's talk about some on the court stuff. Obviously, the Kobe King stuff has, has been compounded with uh, you know a, a lot of the attention with the Brad Davison stuff, but there's still a basketball game to be played, and it's obviously going to be without both of those guys. But it's a pretty big game in terms of the season with with how it, it works out in terms of seeding and, of course, whether they make the NCAA tournament or not. These last 10 games, all 10 of them are important. And the first one, you get a, a very talented Michigan State team in your building after suffering a, a pretty tough loss of them not too long ago in East Lansing. So without those two, what do you make of this game? How do you think uh, the Badgers match up against the Spartans? I think one thing that is actually good about this game is that Wisconsin's missing guards. They're, they Michigan State get, goes big often. They 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 go with three forwards. Um, you know, Wisconsin generally goes with three guards. When they had Kobe King, he was a guard. Now the Wisconsin's kind of forced to go to go taller with uh you know going from a six three Kobe King to a six seven um, Tyler Wall. I think that actually helps them in this game a little bit. Um, it's going to be crucial for Wisconsin to do a good job on Winston and, and Rocket Watts, two of their better scorers. You know, Cassius Winston's one of the best scorers in the country. Um, Rocket Watts, really talented three-point shooter who's got an awesome name. Um, but for the forwards, you know, you got Xavier Tillman who's really talented. I think Wisconsin can rotate some guys to get in there. Aaron Henry can rotate some guys in there. Um, and I think Aleem Ford will, will do a better job. I think he's got to do a, uh, a good job of shooting the basketball from deep. He's he's started to do a little bit better, but then that kind of fell and then back. And so Wisconsin at home has been a, just a different team. So you never know within these type of games. But um, Wisconsin has their opportunities in this game if they can if they can go ahead and do their thing on the defensive end and and get hot on the offensive end because the defensive end is how they're usually um, making their hay and keeping themselves in games. So if they can do that at home. I, I like their chances to keep it close and give themselves a puncher's chance. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with it. The defense is where it's going to start, and when you're when you're down two offensive weapons already, you're going to have to play fundamentally sound defense for a full 40 minutes to keep yourself even in in that game. You know, the first time around, they did a really good job on Cassius Winston. He he only had six points. Well, you know, coming into that game, we we expected him to have a pretty big one. Uh, and he was, you know, held in check. He distributed the basketball all right, and and they re- he rebounded a little bit. But really, the Badgers played a pretty solid defensive effort on him alone. You know, Xavier Tillman kind of got loose, and and Rocket Watts had a great second half against the Badgers, which hurts them. But really, that first matchup came down to the Badgers' inability on the offensive end, more so even in that first half. You know, we kind of talked about it back when that game happened. If if they put together even a halfway decent offensive effort they're probably in that game and it was obviously closer in the second half but they're probably in that game through its entirety if if they can make some shots in that first 20 minutes yeah and like I said they've they've been shooting completely different at home than they have away their their points per possession is is I, I melt almost a, a pull a full point five better. Like it's it's a huge difference in what they're doing. So they've got to be able to kind of um settle back in knowing that, Hey, there's going to have been some turmoil. There's been some changes, um, but then settle back in and, and make some plays. They are going to have had almost a full week to prepare for this game. Best believe they've been preparing each day, trying to get the things ready for that. 
Um, but it, it's going to come down to help defense, making sure that they're there for each other so that um, when guys are trying to take them on the bounce, that they're there for to help out um, underneath. Exactly. I mean, you talked about the shooting. They they shot 52% from three uh, their last home game against Nebraska and hit 46% from the field. So you have to be optimistic that the offense at home will, will turn on a little bit more than what it did in East Lansing because they, they, they couldn't buy a bucket in Michigan State. And that seems to always be the case where they have some struggles in that building in general. So to be back at the, you know, the Cole Center with everything, you know, obviously there's, there's been surprises. There's been a lot going on. That's all eventually by that point going to be behind them. What, you know, whatever the, the feelings about it, it, it is what it is, but you've got to move forward. And I think this will finally, hopefully be the, <laughs> there'll be the last kind of saga and, and tough situation for this team where now they can focus on playing these last 10 games of basketball and, and getting as many wins as they can as they push to the NCAA tournament. Um, but it's going to be, it's going to be an exciting one to watch. And I think just that Saturday afternoon feeling in the Kohl Center should hopefully still bring some energy to this game. Yeah. And I mean, the Kohl Center has, is going to need to be um, louder and ready for this game. You know, I, I'm really hoping I don't sit here any boo birds about anything that's going on, but um, Wisconsin's nine and one at home. And, you know, if they could keep that trend going, it would be huge for them to kind of pop back and um, in a big way and give themselves an opportunity to, to go dancing because um, I right now they've got five quad one wins. That would be six. They'd be um, tied for the national lead with that. So the, it'd be, it'd be a big cornerstone victory if they could get it done. And um, it's, it's in kind of get some of the, the um, fanfare um, on the negative side off of their backs a bit. Yeah, exactly. That's, that would be a, a breath of fresh air into the program. If, if they could knock off a, 14th ranked Spartan team that has has been pretty solid and obviously you know put a a good hurting on them the first time but a lot of that was you know self-inflicted mistakes and I know their backs are definitely against the wall being down two of your top players and scorers and that that's not not anything anybody can control at this point so hopefully they can come out and and give a good effort to to work themselves into a positive light and and pull off an upset you know why not us is is definitely a situation that these guys can work into coming into that game. Anything else to talk basketball related? Otherwise, we'll kick it to a couple quick ads, and then we'll get into some football talk. Yeah, let's get to some football talk. All right, guys. It feels like it's been a while since we've talked football, so we're going to kick it to a couple quick ads, and then we're going to preview our cornerback position. All right, it's finally time to talk some football. It does feel like it's been forever with a break and then a lot of basketball news this week, but – we're doing our position overviews. We kind of got away from it, like we said already, uh, but getting back into that because we're going to go through each one and, and kind of give a you know a 2019 recap and then sort of a 2020 preview of what we think of this position. And the cornerback position is one that had a solid year. Maybe some some guys that fell from the depth charts and stepped up in the depth chart. It's a pretty deep group uh, and a pretty young group. Still, a lot of these guys coming into next year will will be familiar faces in, in probably one of the deeper positions. So, Matt, what do you make of the the cornerback situation at Wisconsin right now? You know, I think they're in a really good place for the 2020 um, season. You know, in 2019, they had a lot of young players get get a lot of a lot of tread. They get a lot of playing time. Um, we're able to kind of put themselves in a position to kind of grow. Um, you know, you you look at next year, you've got you know 
some guys who are starting to finally get up to be upperclassmen. You had a guy like Fayon Hicks who started playing as a redshirt freshman. You had Caesar Williams who started playing as a as a sophomore. You have Richard Wildgoose who was playing right away as a freshman. So some of these guys are finally getting to that junior senior status where they're they're trying to get kind of getting their feet underneath them. And I thought that both uh, Caesar Williams and Fayon Hicks for the most part had a pretty good season. Rashad Wildgoose as well. So I think those are your your three core guys guys that really uh, will, will most likely play the most. But I thought they did a good job last season. And it's big to kind of bring that influx of talent behind them as well. Um, and a lot of those guys were able to get redshirt seasons, which is huge for um, for them moving forward to replace those guys once they're gone. Yeah, I, I totally hear what you're saying with this group. I I really like – obviously, when they were coming into school, they, they got thrust into a position – you know, early in their freshman year with with Hicks and Wild Goose, these guys got thrown in there early, but that built up, and it's kind of the secondary as a whole when you look at the safety position too. But that built up this group where now they're going to be going into their their junior seasons with a lot of experience under their belt. I mean, you look at these guys and their their core guys, their their faces that everyone now who watches Wisconsin football is familiar with, but they're still going to be into their junior season and they've still got a lot of football in front of them. So if there's a group that collectively they take a jump from, from one level to the next, I think it could be this group. And if they do, it would be really exciting for Wisconsin because they've, they've got the talent on the defensive line. There's going to be positions on the linebacker that's going to have to be filled, but there's names that I think people are pretty confident in, but to have a really strong secondary would be, huge for Wisconsin because that's a position that at times in the past has kind of I kind of been their Achilles heel yeah for sure and I think I think they'll this secondary will need to be better just because I don't necessarily see the pass rush being quite as good as it was this past season um but I I thought Caesar Williams was was maybe the MVP of the defense when you take away um Bond and Orr you know he had he was up there in the tops of the nation with pass breakups and kind of his his percentages in terms of knocking the ball away or getting an interception. Um, he, he had a phenomenal season. He, he was He's a guy that I think is setting himself nicely um, for next year. He's got great great size at six foot. Um, so, I mean, if he puts together another nice, really nice season, he's a guy who, who could kind of just backslide his way into an, an NFL roster because of his size and having put together back-to-back really good seasons to end his career. Um, and then you got guys like Rashad Wild Goose and uh, Fayon Hicks, who were honorable mention all Big Ten guys. So they've got the talent at this position, and they've got the depth, which I think is even bigger because a lot of times you'll see Wisconsin having two good corners, but then you're bringing in a nickel guy who's going to get absolutely torched or something like that. Um what do you think of Duran Harrell? Like he kind of fell off the face of the earth last year. What's up with that? What's up with him? Yeah, that was one that I was going to ask, you know, and kind of talk about because coming into this season, he was, he was playing a lot. And you mentioned Caesar Williams. He was kind of the, the third, fourth corner getting worked in there. And all of a sudden as the season went on Williams, you know, and obviously that's power to him because he did step up and have a really good season that, that I don't, obviously people thought he was going to be talented, but I don't know if anyone saw the the strength of his season like he had this year so I'm not really sure it's he's got good size he's he's 6'2 you know 180 and and was high on the depth chart early on in the season I think he got the start at South Florida and and really just didn't put it together and and didn't really see a lot of the field 
you know, down the stretch. I mean, you think of it, a lot of it was a lot of Hicks and a lot of Williams for most of it. So it's it's an interesting one and it's a puzzling one, but it's one that these guys have opportunities to step up. Yeah, because, I mean, he, he didn't even play the last seven games and didn't even dress for a couple of them. So I don't I don't know if there was an injury or something that wasn't reported. Um, I know UW comms didn't tell us about any injury or anything like that. So um, you, you have to take them at their word that he wasn't hurt. So there has to be more to this story in my eyes, I think, um, similar to how the whole, you know, everything uh, that happens at, at a big-time college program is. But I, I thought that was very interesting just his role and the diminishing role that he had. I think it kind of was both his play maybe going down while Caesar Williams was rising. And um, what do you make of some of the younger dudes? I mean, there's a lot of talented guys that, you know, we looked at, like we mentioned earlier, this, this class is experienced, but also still have a lot of time in front of them. So you haven't seen a lot of uh, other younger guys. There's, but there's some talent in these guys. I mean, Travion Blaylock is a guy that, Coming in, he's, he's a freshman that'll be in there this year that's going to be talented. But Samar Melvin is probably the one that I'm I'm most excited about. He's part of that Florida defensive back you know, pipeline that the Badgers have kind of established where if, you know, obviously there's deep and there's experienced guys already, but if there was going to be a young guy kind of get worked into the rotation and maybe see some snaps, I think he's a name that, that you've got to pay attention to. Uh, because he's super talented and, and like we said, established and, and played some high-quality high school ball at St. Thomas Aquinas. So he's one that, that the fans should be excited about if they don't know already. Uh, who do you like in the younger group? Yeah, I mean, Melvin's definitely a guy that you got to keep an eye on. You know, I thought it was huge that they were able to preserve his red shirt after he played in those four games, and he started that Minnesota game. Um, outside of the one where he tripped, I thought he played really mm-hmm. well in the rest of that Minnesota game and, and in the games he played. Um, I thought Dante Burton and Alexander Smith also um, flashed at times. You know, they they played in games um, minimally, but then in practice, I thought that they really looked the part and they did a really nice job. So I think, you know, those three guys who are who are right behind uh, Wild Goose and, and Hicks and Caesar Williams are going to be guys to keep an eye on because they're they're talented. They're they're youngsters, but they're they're definitely uh, improving and are going to be guys that are going to be called upon um, in the next couple seasons. And I think that they're going to be ready for it um, when, when their time is called. Yeah, and it's going to be a competitive group. I mean, you've got a lot of established names already, but at the same time, you've got up and coming names that are going to make a, a name for themselves and be gunning for those positions. Obviously, you mentioned the, in, at the cornerback position, there's two that are pretty much always on the field given the package and then things like that. But there's there's often a, a nickel corner worked in there, and who can earn that spot is going to be a, an interesting one as well. So there's opportunity. There's obviously guys that are leaders in the clubhouse. But at the end of the day, Jim Leonard's going to put you know the guys that he trusts you know more so and, and the guys that have proven it on the field uh, you know come that first Friday night against Indiana. Yeah, and, and Leonard hasn't, hasn't shown any uh... – any uh, reservations from putting some of these guys out there? They've, you know, these guys all got trial by fire um, and he's done that. You know, he's thrown Dante Burton, Alexander Smith, Samar Melvin in into those situations right in the middle of the game where he's like, he's not liking what he's seen and, and he hasn't been uh, afraid to do so. And I think that's telling for um, how much he trusts these guys and the relationship he has with them that he, he's like, hey, I believe in what these guys are going to be able to do. Um, and it also tells lets the guys who are in front of them know, hey, 
you got to put forth your best uh, ability at all times and work hard and practice. Otherwise, you're not going to get the get the reps that you uh, feel you deserve. And I think that's indicative of the depth of, of the position and, and the confidence in that position, because there's been Wisconsin teams in the past where if there was a guy that was struggling at a corner position, you didn't have a lot behind him to to take a chance, you know, or to work another guy in. That was and a lot of times your guy because there there wasn't a lot of depth and and not, I don't want to say there wasn't a lot of talent because I don't want to knock on anyone, but. There were there were times where uh, a Wisconsin quarterback was clearly struggling and getting picked on and and not having his best game, but they didn't have a lot of opportunities to to go to other players. I think this group is not not a group that has that because there's so many established guys already, but there's also young guys that are going to be coming in and competing for a spot that are that are pretty talented. Yeah, and I also think I think Rashad Wild Goose is a guy who's overlooked at times. Um, you know, he's really loud in practice and 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 a go-getter. He's he's a fiery player, but he's really good in uh at that nickel spot. I think um he does a nice job there in in terms of breaking up passes. He had six this season, but also getting in the backfield and making some plays um uh against when they're trying to do swing passes or things he's not afraid to put his his nose in there and, and make the tackles which I think this team def, definitely needs from that nickel uh, position so I think they're in a really good spot moving forward um, it's going to be exciting to see kind of how some of these guys develop behind them because we haven't even talked about a guy like Dean Ingram um, mm-hmm. who, who who redshirted and other guys so they, they've got talent in the wings and it's going to allow those guys to season more and uh, get ready for when their time is actually called. Yeah, absolutely. This is going to be a group that coming into the season, usually you're not uh, too excited about a cornerback group at Wisconsin. Nobody that really jumps off the page. I think they've got some guys uh, talent-wise that, that, are, that are willing to jump off the page and going to be an eye to watch going forward. Is there any, you know, obviously we, we talk about the positives a lot of this group. Is there anything that you see from this group that, that maybe concerns you a little bit? Um. Not necessarily. I, I I do worry a little bit of that if if the pass rush isn't um, similar to the way they were this past season, how that might affect them. I thought overall they did a nice job, but uh, I think the competition is is gonna is gonna be healthy and it's gonna be nice to see because it's gonna be tough to figure out a two deep because um, there's really in my eyes I see it as there's like really one spot to to grab behind Hicks, Williams, and Wild Goose. So mm-hmm. I, I don't have a lot of reservations about, about this group. Um, I do uh, wonder kind of how they can get some of these younger guys involved so that they stay uh, <coughs> um, patient, excuse me, um, to, to wait their turn because um, we know Wisconsin's a developmental program. Um, or And, you know, you even have a guy like Madison Cohn who's kind of a hybrid um, mm-hmm. corner slash safety. So where does he see himself in, in this? So like just hoping that guys don't get dissatisfied because they're not uh, getting their time this, this upcoming season, but knowing, Hey, there's going to be a big competition uh, the year prior when uh, Caesar Williams is leaving and and they still uh, need a place person to fill his role. Yeah. There's a lot of guys battling for only a couple spots and and that might be, you know, something that rubs certain guys the wrong way, but that that's healthy competition. And, you know, in, in terms of concerns, I think the only one for me is one that Wisconsin fans have, have alluded to for a long time, and that's just the the speed difference between you know a, a Wisconsin secondary and a really talented you know wide receiver group like Ohio State. I think everybody said, well, Ohio State is so much faster than us in, in terms of position, and thankfully they avoid 
Ohio State until possibly the Big Ten championship. But that's that's only really the concern. But a lot of that is is just getting better in the offseason and and getting faster and working on that type of stuff to to hopefully avoid any issues like that. But overall, this group has to be, you know, of of the position groups, this has to be one that people should be, at least on paper and from what we've seen, uh, one that you should be pretty excited about. Oh, no doubt. All right. Well, I think that's everything we got. Anything else you want to touch on, Matt, or else we will cut loose another episode? No, I'm just uh, I'm excited to see kind of how things transpire here over these next 10 games for the basketball program and and how uh, the weight uh, and conditioning program can kind of shape some of these guys to see what they've got in the spring. The future is still bright. I know a lot of people are are down in the dumps right now, but let's let's give it some time and, and let's see how the season finishes out before we punt on it. Uh, guys, that wraps up another episode of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. Uh, obviously, next week we mentioned that we're we're going to have a special guest on Monday that we won't reveal right now, but uh, I think you guys will like it. We'll talk some recruiting stuff. And then uh, on Thursday, we'll have uh, Owen on to talk about the Senior Bowl, and then we'll do our uh, position previews and keep hammering away at those. So thank you guys for listening. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. I, I was reading th- through some reviews. Uh, yesterday so keep giving those i think both matt and i are are fans of constructive criticism try to be nice but uh if you've got something that you want to hear from the podcast uh, feel free to, to let us know obviously we're we're open and adapting and and still trying to change it up to hear what you guys want to say so thank you guys for listening as always on wisconsin